Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast, coming at you from But Here We Go Studios in Dallas, Texas. For those of you that have been to the studio lately, we've got some new decorations. We've changed out a few things. (laughs) We used to have a star on our wall. Now we've got... Some tapestries. Oh, you're just talking about the trash that we found on the side of the road. Some pictures of ducks. And that's it. I would like to to clarify. The picture of ducks you put on the wall, and then I told you to take it down, and you (laughs) haven't taken it down. And it's just sitting up there. But it does not mesh with anything else in this room. Nope. I think it I think it works great. I absolutely hate it up there. For for anybody who's interested in a picture of ducks. What kind of ducks are they? Mallards? They are mallards. Why are they? It's always mallards. What is well, people's fascination with mallards? I don't know. Everybody just loves mallards. Odd. I think it's that big green head. Let just, me tell you a story about a mallard duck. You've heard it, but not everybody listening to this podcast has heard that it. It's a very famous story in my family. True story. Um, a long, long time ago when I was probably 11. In a galaxy far, far right. away. Um, it was Easter. And we were up in Oklahoma with that side of the family. And my uncle, um, for some reason, thought it would be fun to get baby ducks for all of us kids in honor of Easter. Because I guess, I don't, isn't it supposed to be chicks that it's, I don't understand the logic no of it. No idea. But as an 11 year old, I was super jazzed about it. And I was possibly younger than 11, maybe. Anywho, um, one of my cousins was probably like Four years old, three or no, probably two or three years old. And he, because his birthday is very close to Easter. So he got to pick which duck he wanted out of like the group of, what's the group of ducks called? Flock. A flock. Okay. The flock before we all could do it as like a birthday thing. And so he picked like the cutest, most precious, like tiniest little duckling. And uh, everyone was super jealous. And then we just like moved on about our day with our ducks. Well... He would just walk around that Easter holiday um, hugging his duck. And what ended up happening is he was hugging the duck by uh, choking it, essentially. And it, it did not survive the hugs. And we had to quickly, I guess the adults had to like quickly dispose of the wow. precious little duckling. Um, however, back to the mallard part of that story, because <laughs> um, we took three of the ducks home. Speaking of ducks, right. we killed one. Uh, yes, sorry. Um, I have a lot of stories about dead animals growing up, which is funny. Yeah. Um, people wonder why I'm not an animal person. Um, to clarify, I did not kill any of these animals. Uh, anyway, we brought the ducks home, and um, I guess my mom figured it out, but one of the ducks was a mallard duck. And we found out that you're not allowed to have mallard ducks as pets because they are endangered. Can you... Not endangered. Okay. Why would we not be allowed to have them as pets? Maybe because they're a wild species. But who has ducks as pets anyway? Anybody? Aren't all ducks wild species? No. No. Muscovy ducks are... The ones that you see, there's Muscovy ducks. I think Peking duck is the way that you cook a duck. Okay. That's like the traditional Chinese <laughs> New Year duck recipe. But sure. But they they eat a lot of ducks in in Chinese culture and that is the traditional like holiday meal is picking 
pecking duck. Okay, but duck. what does that have to do with domesticated duck? Oftentimes, those are domesticated ducks that they're eating. Oh, gotcha. More often than not. Because when if I, you domesticate it, then you can you can fatten it up better. Right. When I say domesticated, I'm talking more as like pets. Not yeah, like mean, someone raising chickens in their having, backyard. Having pets, having pet ducks is a little bit different. I don't know why. I mean, it's the same thing as having like a pet goat. Some people just really love goats or a potbelly pig. Now, a potbelly pig, I would relate almost more to a potbelly pig is like the dog version of a wolf where it like you don't I never hear of people eating potbelly pigs. They just have them as pets. So it's like a domesticated for companionship purpose. That doesn't make any sense. What pigs do we eat then? We there's all sorts of different um, breeds, but one of them's a Berkshire Cooney Cooney. It's another God, one that you we know far eat. too much about random crap. There's a few others out there. Um, that, speaking that of goats, eating. before were you around when the goat neighborhood goat was here? Yeah. Okay. So I was. that's funny. I never know. Um, anyway, um, I guess before we got married, there was this uh, family down the street who owned a goat. And every so often I would see one of them walking the goat like around Just like around. a dog. But to me, it was funny because the goat was like fat and he would like hop around sort of. But anyway, one day the goat disappeared and then we um, discovered that a lot of people will just raise pet goats like one pet goat in their backyard just to like kill it at the end of the year. And then I got, (laughs) I was kind of sad about the neighborhood goat. Anyway, this took a strange turn. Do you have anything prepared to talk about? How are you? Where'd you go? (laughs) Where'd I go? Well, I actually went down to Houston. It's crazy. I was in Reno two weeks ago. Jake was on the podcast three weeks ago since I was also still out of town. And here I thought my traveling was done for a little while. And before I left Reno, I found out I was going to Houston for a day. When are you traveling next? (laughs) I think the next traveling isn't until October. Okay, cool. So we got some time. We got some breathing room. What was the highlight? All of our loyal fans will get to listen to us. What was the highlight of your Houston trip? So for everybody who doesn't know, I went down to Houston There was a big announcement made by the Secretary of Energy. State or like federal? Federal. Cool. So this was Jennifer Granholm, and she was announcing a new Energy Earth Shot. So those that don't know about the Energy Earth Shot programs, it is these, there's four of them. And the idea is to put this big, huge, lofty goal out there into the U.S., ecosystem saying we want to hit this target and when they first make the announcement there's not necessarily public funding or anything known about how they're going to try and get there they're just saying we are going to find a way to incentivize reaching these metrics and one of them just to kind of give everybody a a taste is getting to $1 per kilogram of hydrogen. Hydrogen's a fuel source. $1 of hydrogen is equivalent to about $350 a U.S. gallon of of gasoline. So how would this help us? 
it would help because as everything else is rising in prices, now if we can get to producing hydrogen at $1 a kilogram, that basically sets an alternative energy source that's a low-carbon energy source that is equivalent to present-day prices. But, like, what uses hydrogen? That's I guess that's my question, because we don't have well, hydrogen cars. You, we do have some hydrogen cars out there, is but you're really right. Explosive? It's a very... It, it is explosive. It is a... It's what they use for most of the spaceships is hydrogen or some form of a hydrogen fuel. But if you can get the fuel to be that cheap, then the idea is that you would then start building out all of the infrastructure that would lead to hydrogen based transportation. Okay, but like how would that keep us from like everyone just exploding when we ran into each other? There's standards and regulations and and things in place for that. Okay, I'm just going to have to trust you on that one. Yep, we can talk about hydrogen a <laughs> lot more, but I no, don't think that's don't. the focus. Now, the energy earth shot that was announced was a geothermal energy earth shot. That's Hooray! why I was there. And, and by the, there, like you were like at a Houston. table with I, the secretary. So she had so many things to do that day. But one of them was sitting at a round table talking to more of the cutting edge kind of highly academic side saying, what are the things we need to do to actually hit this energy earth shot? And what it was what that energy earth shot is, is reaching enhanced geothermal systems, a 90% reduction in price, which would get us, and then a an actual hard number goal of $45 a megawatt hour. So when you look at your your electricity bills, you probably, you can see what you're paying for electricity. For us here, it's Probably on the order of, for the electricity itself, it's anywhere from probably 9 to 15 cents a kilowatt hour, which is equivalent to 90 to $150 a megawatt hour. So if we can get geothermal down to $45 a megawatt hour, then it is competitive against the, okay. the grid. I kind of glossed over when you were talking numbers, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's exciting. That means there should be more funding going in to find a way to reach that $45 a megawatt hour number. And that is why I was there was to sit on a panel with the energy secretary and, and tell her what are some of the things that we need to do? Cool. The things we need to get done. You're so fancy. How come we're not billionaires? How come we're not billionaires? <laughs> That's a great question. I think it's because, because we don't, we don't, chase after money that's true there are bigger things in our life money shmoney who like needs jesus. it who needs it well all those poor people who right, that's true are dying on the streets because they can't get adequate health care or inside cold houses during very hot days right or vice versa in the winter they probably need some money you want to you want to know uh, speaking of money you want to know what i kind of want to talk about what uh how come there aren't more felon-friendly companies? And what I mean by that is last week we were serving um, at a job connection program for people who are 
underemployed or looking to move up in their career. And there is, it's a hodgepodge of people. We've got like an aerospace engineer there, and then we've got a uh, we got a surfer ex, bro, ex cartel guy who served 25 years in prison. Like, just and then all we got a surfer things. bro. We have a surfer bro. Yeah, we got a surfer bro. Oh, I don't know who you're talking about. Anyway. At the table that I was helping to lead the discussion, there was just a lot of ex-felons there. Mm. And they, um, they're currently in like a rehabilitation program. And that was what they were super discouraged about. Or not necessarily, I mean, they were discouraged mainly because we were just talking about higher education and how to like set yourself up for more job opportunities. Uh, but they were just like, it doesn't matter what, I mean, I could go to college, but I still have a felony on my record. And some come and some companies just will immediately not hire me because of that. And it may got me thinking, and obviously I know why a company wouldn't be less likely to hire a felon. <laughs> I get it. But if one can prove like depending on because like one of the guys, it was just like marijuana charges. And I was just like and what's up with that? Well, I'm like, I've seen, I mean, heck, I went to SMU. You know how many of those I frat bros were dealing drugs? All the time, marijuana, right. everywhere. Maybe they don't have a felony on the record, but that does, you know, I mean, it's not like, anyway, it just made me think of like, there are some highly skilled and highly talented ex-felons who have like changed their lives for the better and have put in the hard work to rehabilitate themselves and to make better and wiser choices but they are still stuck in cycles of poverty because people won't take chances on them and that made me really bummed out because it's like we could give you all the advice in the world but you're only going to be able to work at dollar general or waffle house because you've got a pot charge on your a pot charger too on your record yeah what do you think change like what do you think would have to happen to get that to change I think that there would be a lot of things that would need to change. Do you think if that person got a college degree, that would make it different? I have a very small sample set. Okay. But <laughs> the sample set that I have says, yes, it would change that. If, But would it have to be after the convictions? Or does it matter the crime? Like if you did a white collar crime? Because I feel like some people like... The ExxonMobil guys, I'm sure they still have jobs somewhere now that they've served their time. The ExxonMobil guys. Well, I mean, guys. like, white-collar crime. Like, people who, like, well, go to yeah, jail so for, I like, think that's, paying for their kid to go to Yale. Yeah, and, yeah, I think that ends up being different. But to this idea of some type of felon that felony that doesn't, that isn't like a... It's the word I'm looking for. It's not something where you're endangering others' lives. And it like you're not attempted murder or or something like that. Where it's not a do you know the word I'm looking for? Mm-mm. Like um Dangerous. <laughs> no, not dangerous. It's like Liability? It's like assault. It's not assault, but like it's an assault, violence, violence oriented crime. I don't don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. I think there's a, I think there's a term for that. But anyway, I think in those situations where it is something more drug related and where nobody was hurt and it was just like, 
you got caught with enough marijuana to be considered intent to deal, which is a higher, higher crime. I think that in those situations, there, there are ways to find exceptions. I think that if you can find a way into a school or training program or something that will give you skills, then you can find that relationship that can get you that job. And it's a, it's a long process. I think the, the other side of it is that it's not necessarily going to be with a big company. Like you're not going to be able to get a, like a janitorial job working for EY as an example. And that's, that's purely hypothetical made up. But I think if you knew a mom and pop who owned a, a strip mall in, in say, uh, Euless, like that's a situation where maybe you could then be the, the, the super of that strip mall and be in charge of all the general maintenance. Right. I think where I, and where the men at my table were more discouraged is that because of their criminal mistakes, they have put themselves in a, in a situation where they will never be able to rise above certain levels of employment. Yeah. And it just made me think because like I grew up with the mentality of like being annoyed to almost angry that like people who went to prison would get like could have like take college classes there or like whatever like how dare you like how we shouldn't reward people for making poor choices like if that's the case and i'm just gonna go commit a crime so i can get the government to pay for my school and stuff like that but then as i've grown older and i've just researched it more like for hypothetical like hypothetical like for an 18 year old kid to you know get enough pot charges to because like the three strikes are out yeah law you're now in prison for the mandatory yeah. minimum of two decades or something crazy. And they like, we don't provide ways. Like maybe there's like uh, therapy or like prison ministry type stuff. But like, if we're not providing the tools for them to like upon serving their time, like we, they go out into the world and they're screwed and like, no wonder people turn back to crime because they feel like they have no other option. So it's just kind of a bummer. And I think that's a really interesting point that when you think about the, about that cycle of crime, at some point, if you end up getting released early and you get early parole or whatever, and you basically are, are said to have, done well, you have rehabilitated, and you are now being let out back into society without full-time served, like, shouldn't that mean something? Right. Shouldn't you get, like, a little certificate that you can send on your job application or something? Yeah. So, like, if you were to, if you were to go do your college classes, get a degree while you're there serving your time, and then get let out early, what, why does that why would that not count? And why would that not say something? Right. And I'm no expert on prison, but I feel like depending on what crimes you commit, you could not qualify for any of those programs while you're in prison. I don't know anything about prison. So I, 
praise God. I don't even know what, what programs there are. Right. Like, I don't know. I just, it got me thinking and I was just like really bummed out by those conversations. Well, I think that is, and this is something I, I don't again know fully, but I think there is some value and some hope given the current gig economy. So not necessarily being an Uber driver. Like, I don't think that that's going to end up, I'm sure there, there's probably some problems. Right. But when you're talking about something basic, something that you can do fully over the internet, if you have internet, like if you go and you can learn a few things and, and get some experience in, in like basic data entry right, 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 and then you can find, find work doing data entry right? or like audio mixing and editing podcasts. That's right. something where, but that's where it's like, it's so much who, you know, like that's such a, well, I think there it, it is who, you know, but it's also, that is an opportunity. If you have, if you have the ability to get on the gig economy and right. then you can kind of, build that up, which is something where you can learn a few specific skills and you don't necessarily, I I don't think as long as you're not having in-person interactions, I think there is less, less of that background check side. Do you think, I guess, what is the main concern do you think from like a company's perspective when do you think just companies just have it on it? Cause I've never worked for a company that like had a, cause like, I feel like whenever you were applying for jobs, you were dealing with companies that had some sort of computer algorithm fielding through yeah. the resumes. I've never done that. I worked for EY, but I was contacted for, yeah. by a recruiter. So I never had to deal with that situation. Do you think, cause I'm assuming anyone who's big enough to use one of those algorithms is automatically knocking out anybody with a, felony yeah probably and so i guess my question is what do you think it's more of like a hey i'm not even gonna mess with that there's better there's so many people applying that i why even take a chance with somebody with a background do you think it's because they're afraid that they're gonna steal from the company or do you think some of it is like the last thing we would want is to someone find out that there's like a domestic violence a domestic abuser at our company that we hired them we got to save face we should just not take a chance on these people i'm sure that there is a side of it that is hr and and public relations related i think that when it comes to all of those big large machines the algorithms and the the client tracking software the applicant tracking software there probably is some statistic that that says once you have gone to jail, you are X number of times more likely to commit a crime or to end up back right. in jail. Right. And I think that that is probably to your point, when you've got jobs that are getting hundreds of applicants, the difference. And, and again, I think when you, when you were at EY, I think the average, the average tenure of employees at EY was something like 18 months. It was so small. Yeah. So, so if you're going to hire somebody and have them work for 18 months, right. like why, why take in my mind, why bother with, 
with somebody who has a on their scorecard they've got a felon yeah or a felony i think it it and that that's why i think it is something where unfortunately you don't start out at one of those companies if there's a and i this is another one of those exceptions but if you could start out somewhere small work your way up right. and be pretty high then you could get recruited right and you could just start off by telling them hey right. look Here's my story. i'm not going to waste my time with you i'm a felon if you're not if you can't hire me then let's move on right 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 and i think that then there's a little bit more leeway if you're getting headhunted and recruited and i think that's i mean those are the stories i know are people who specifically started with small companies and moved up that way moved up that way do you think that there's a scholarship program specifically for felons outside of prison for them to get an education because like if you're coming out of prison with nothing i'm sure that like having extra funds to get a higher education is probably at the bottom of your list of possibilities yeah probably it's probably at the bottom i don't know if there's something I think that's the other the other side of it though is 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 that is higher education really what the answer is for them? Because I think I think the answer for most people should be some type of training program. Training program, a trade, or just simply learning the skills you need for the job at hand. Right. And I so as far as do they need a college education or do they need, and I think, I think there was somebody, I thought you said that yeah, at they, the last one, there was a specific felon, felon recruiting agency that was there to help pair people who were recently out of prison to felon friendly companies. Uh, we had a recruiter who came like last month who his company that he works for specifically hires and recruits refugees. Who was the, you mean the guy who spoke, you said somebody who spoke at the beginning, Right, I was outside greeting people. So I only got bits and pieces of it. But from what I could hear, I believe he works for a company that is felon friendly and they, uh, it's like a HVAC electrical. They'll like pay for you to go, to get like uh training like, like a trade school but certification right it's really only i feel because like luke did welding it was only like an eight-month program yeah it's but, not a super uh, long program yeah but so i guess i guess are the trades more felon friendly i guess but that's what's interesting to me is that what what about the trades jobs makes them less likely to recommit a crime than sitting at a desk on a computer yeah, data and I, analytics? I also wonder what what is the what is that specific role? Is it because I I would think, and this is just me guessing, is that if you've got a a customer based position like we have air exterminators out here twice a year are you going to be as aero exterminators are you going to be hiring a felon who is going to be making house, house calls. calls right i would guess not i i wouldn't have any problem with that but i i don't see 
arrow exterminators doing something like that. And I would think that that's the same for most people or most companies that have a very customer-based house call kind of model. So who, with these HVAC companies, are they like going to factories? Like, I was about to say, because like, who are they a, working for? When I did property management industrial buildings, we would have an HVAC. If there was like an air conditioning problem, we would send an HVAC guy out. But we would like call like one of the companies, and they would just send one of their guys out. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those, or installation, or fabrication, or yeah, something like that. Yep. I don't know. I just feel like I don't. I feel like. I understand the complexities of the situation, but I feel like for some reason it's less taboo for companies to be felon friendly if they are blue collar jobs. But once you get to the white collar jobs, it's like weird and people are way more concerned about like a ba- like a criminal history. And I think that's interesting considering the amount of like white collar crime you see. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, especially because if you're a, and this, this again, may be totally off base, but if you are a felon for something like a drug charge, what does that have to do with white collar work? Right. Like maybe accounting, I could see, like if you're, you don't want them like embezzling money to do drugs, like I could see that maybe, but like data analytics for like a cell phone company, like I don't see how that would why that would be yeah, a concern. And, and even at that, like I'm also, and this, this is where it might be getting dicey, but if you're selling drugs, yeah, you're running a business, but <laughs> that are should be you, put on your resume. <laughs> but are you doing that in a way that is like, that is highly sophisticated business stuff? Like, are you going to be going in and bezeling funds? Right. Are you going to be, Gleaning data and selling it on the oh, black market. Okay, I see where you're saying. Like, there is not a, to me, there is not a one to one correlation of you have a felony for selling drugs right. and now you're going to be selling our data on the black market or you're going to be stealing from the company. Right, right, right. I feel like it's just like a, this taboo thing of like, yeah. well, I don't want, a, like, it's like a fear. And I can understand there being the fear when it comes to like a, a sexual assault. Or a, a murderer. A murderer. A murder, though I, truthfully, I actually know quite a few of I know a few murderers who serve their time, and super now nice. we know them, and they're super sweet and kind. And yep. God did a, a wonder in Love their lives. Them. Love them. And so, but they can't get a job anywhere. No. Nope. Which I, I think is also another one of those things that would be really useful or really helpful is. Especially if you go and you do all of this training and you like learn a bunch of stuff while you're serving your time, then having not only felon friendly businesses and companies, but also having felon friendly investing. Because how many of those people have a great idea? Oh, I see. And they just need a little bit of money. Right. And well, nobody's and, giving them money. Right. And that's what something that's this conversation is taking an interesting turn. That's something too, that I've noticed just by living life, but then also serving where we serve is that most of the people I know who murdered somebody, it's not like they're a serial killer. And, and it's not like they were like planning it. I, 
I've never met anyone who's like gone out and like planned it. It was always like a crime crime of not passion, but like anger. spur of the moment, right? An anger thing or like a gang related thing. Yep. And so uh, there's obviously like a difference between a premeditated murderer and a serial killer. Like obviously hiring them would cause some problems. <laughs> I would need a lot of proof that you have been, yeah, you know what I mean? But everything's just so subjective and relative and people grow, people do change. I think that's the thing. And I I feel like the world or society or culture or whatever you want to call it is, doesn't believe people can change. And I don't know why they feel that way. And maybe it's just because they haven't seen it and we are sitting on the side of Jesus where we see Jesus change people all the time. Yeah. But people do change and they change all the time. And so like to have somebody either make a stupid mistake or make a bad mistake. And then that completely shifts and change their lives is sad to me. Anyway, that's it. Some people can change. Some people can't, but more importantly, People think that people can't change. And we need to change that, Joe. And that's what we need to change. Right. So, as a sponsor for this week, since we took a kind of different turn on the podcast, I think now is a great opportunity to, to bring in one of my favorite things in the world. Waffles. <laughs> Waffles. Is this because I mentioned Waffle House one? Is Waffle House a felon-friendly I've company? I've been told. I would need to confirm. Let me confirm this real Before quick. Before they're the sponsor. Then I'll redo it. Okay, yeah. well, while you're bringing that up, everyone, don't forget, North Texas Giving Day is September 22nd. You can actually already start giving now, so I don't understand why they just don't call it a giving month or giving week. Um, so find a local charity and give. And I think there's like a ton of matching programs and everything. One of the places that you can give is the place where Joe and I serve, which is the Watermark Community Development Corporation, which puts on programs like the Job Connection Program, where we serve. Uh, but then there's Bonton Farms. There's the the Food Bank. Joe and I cannot speak enough about the North Texas Food Bank. They um, they help so many people. They have had to like step it up like crazy since COVID. They also provide food to um, Brother Bill's Helping Hands, which I know a lot of people are familiar with. So the North Texas Food Bank is always a good one to give to, too. Are you still struck? Can you not? If you if it's taking this long, they're not feeling friendly. So it, I mean, it's hard to search. How do you search Just that say, stuff? Is Waffle House felon friendly? Well, I searched as Waffle House hire felons, but here's the answer. No, it does not. And then right behind it, yes, they hire people with criminal records. <laughs> right? Like, who does that? Come on, Indeed. Google. Last time I checked, Indeed is terrible. Wait, did you not just ask Google? No, I did. And Indeed gave me all these all these answers. According to somebody. Here we go. Does most people has- say they do. But then other people say they don't. What are you finding out? A bunch of people are asking if other com- if other companies are felon friendly. Does uh, they will require? By, uh... Oh, it says that they will hire you, but it could. I I think it just depends on what your conviction is for. 
Okay, companies known to hire felons and ex-convicts. What's the difference between a felon and an ex-convict? That I don't know. Oh, wait, there are a ton. Applebee's? Apple Inc.? That's probably because they got a bunch of hackers. Campbell Soup, Carl's Jr., Chick-fil-A. Get it, Chick-fil-A. Yes. Denny's. It's a lot of restaurants. I'm trying to look at, like, Duracell... Dr. Pepper, interesting. Firestone, Auto Care, Frito-Lay. It's probably like warehouse work. Gray Clips, interesting. Jimmy John's, In-N-Out. Tesla, Toys R- is Toys R Us well, even around? Trader Joe's. Anyway, there's a long list. Okay. So the sponsor this week, as we took this turn into a different conversation, I would like to highlight one of... One of my favorite foods and one of those iconic restaurants that everybody should go and frequent, that being Waffle House. Waffle House, they seem to hire felons. We can't get a straight yes or no. And I think really when it comes to anybody, your ability to get hired is not going to be a guaranteed yes all the time. Mm, but that. there are many people who are getting hired as felons at Waffle House. And, and I think we should do our duty as consumers in this capitalistic society to support those companies who support support good causes. That being giving everybody that opportunity to to be gainfully employed and being able to live on a living wage and have, have the ability to, to live. And this is Allie's friendly reminder that a living wage has to include benefits. If, if you're getting paid and it doesn't include what benefits, or if you are paying someone and there's no benefits, you are not paying to them a living wage. Unless you pay them enough that they can get their own benefits. I'm just saying the definition says with benefits. So if you're looking, hankering for a waffle, you don't have time to make it yourself, go check out Waffle House. I like their waffles. I've never been. It's not bad. Go there occasionally. Let's go now. Well, we have a sleeping baby. It was more of like a segue to end this podcast. (laughs) All right. We're going to go. We're going to go get some waffles. You'll never know if it's true or not. All right, well, on that, Batir, we're going to go. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.